It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Joshua chapter 1, listen to this repeated uh, command. Be strong and of good courage, Joshua 1.6. Joshua 1.7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and good and of good courage. Verse 18, only be strong and of good courage. I think that is the message for us today, to be strong and courageous. And that's what we want to do here on Exploring the Word because of the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is in our lives. Welcome to Fire Away Friday. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we love Fire Away Friday. So I'm going to give that number right before I throw it to Alex and him tell us how things are going out in Texas. That number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Alex, how are things going in Texas, brother? Oh, Texas is wonderful, and you know what makes it wonderful are the people and the land and so much, but here in San Angelo, where I'm speaking this week, the presence of the Lord, and so I had the privilege of speaking at a a college yesterday and uh, at a school today and at a men's meeting this morning, and tonight I'll be at First Presbyterian Church at 630, uh, and there's, there's a pizza supper. This is open to the public. And then I'm going to be talking about biblical worldview, and we'll do questions and answers. And uh, so, you know, as always, uh, Bert, I'm so blessed. Everybody is just so encouraging, and uh, they tell me about how they listen all day to American Family Radio, and, and everybody's there saying, Bert Harper, he seems like a really nice guy. I said, well, he is, you know? And so it's a joy to preach the gospel and talk to young people. And it's a joy to hear how the American Family Radio Network is being used to touch so many lives. It is. And one of the voices that we've been missing a lot lately, last six weeks, is Dan Celia. And I'm sure everyone has heard by now that he went to be of the Lord Wednesday afternoon. Uh, yes. I love the way they shared it. Yvonne, I think, had them to share it. He's in the arms of Jesus. And we're, we're just wanting to pray for Dan's family the ministry that is has he started and the difference it's making and has made and I pray will continue to make. But Dan Celia is one of those men that was a joy to meet and call you friend. Uh, he was that kind of guy, wasn't he, Alex? He really was. And, folks, if you uh, listen to financial issues, uh, for one thing, uh, he was brilliant. I mean, in terms of analysis, not only the economy but just world affairs – Dan Celia was incredibly gifted, but he was incredibly godly. He was a dear Christian man. And Bert, let me just say this: um, in conjunction with AFA, I, you know, I, I first met him at Sherathon. I had heard him a lot of times on the radio. But folks, I want to tell you something. We were down here for Sherathon. This is probably eleven years ago, ten or eleven years ago. And Dan Celia, he said, uh, "Hey, let's. Uh, if you're going to get some supper, let's eat together." So we sat down. And he said, you know, tell me about exploring the Word and tell me about you preaching and Angie. 
And Dan Celia looked at me and he said, Alex, I've known a lot of missionaries and evangelists, and uh, what do you have for your retirement? And I said, well, nothing, you know, really. I don't, everything, everything we've ever got our hands on, we had to use for the ministry. And he said, well, here's what I want you to do. And he told me to how to begin to set aside some money for retirement. And that's been like 10 years ago. And um, let me just say, Dan kind of gave me a little sermon on stewardship. And, you know, if, if I were to pass away, looking out for Angie and everything, and it, it's, it's done well. And he said, look, Alex, it, it might be $50 or $25, but you need to be storing money away. And he has advised me, and it didn't charge me anything. He just reached out to me because he knew I was an evangelist. My point is, he was a godly man. He cared about other people, and uh, he's with the Lord. But uh, we we lost a great one in the passing of Dan Celia. We did, and he was a mighty chance friend. He and Yvonne, just uh, hospitality. Devin, our producer, and Dan, and they were friends. Devin worked with Dan so much uh, for the programming, and we just we're going to miss him greatly. Heaven's richer. But we Amen. are going to miss him. But I, I want to lead us in prayer for for the ministry there, financial issues, and uh, for his wife and, and daughters and son-in-laws and grandchildren. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for Dan Celia, what he did for us at AFA and AFR. I mean, he became a friend serving on the board for 15 years, I shared, I, I served with him there, Father, and I saw his wisdom, not only for individuals, but for ministry. And, and Father, I thank you for that wisdom that you have given him. I thank you for saving him using Christian yes. radio. And that was the means by which he heard the gospel and was asked Christ into his life. We thank you for that and him being connected with AFR and other even radio stations and and ministries for years, and we thank you for that. Be Yvonne, and bless her. What a godly woman she is. And, Father, for the daughters, the son-in-laws, the grandchildren, Father, I pray that you might minister to them. Give financial issue, uh, stewardship ministries, wisdom, and where to go and what to do. And, Father, we just trust you, and we thank you again for Dan. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, we, we, it is Fire Away Friday, so we've got some callers. And uh, I'm telling you what, uh, Devin, would you put uh, Eli on? I'm having trouble getting him on. I've, I'll get over there in a minute. And Okay. Eli, are you there? Yeah. Thank you for calling. I just wow. got to have – I recognize uh, young voices. Eli, how old are you, man? Nine. Nine years old. Well, I, wow. Man, I can tell you right now, Alex McFarlane and Bert Harper, thank the world that you would listen and call in today. So thank you for exactly. calling, Eli. Welcome, Eli. Yeah. Do you have a question for us? Yes. Go ahead. Um. So you know how the restrainer will be removed from the earth in the tribulation? What about the new Christians? Will they have the Holy Spirit? Okay. Great question, Eli. Alex, this is a question we get asked quite often, Eli, and Alex, can anyone be saved in the Old Testament, New Testament, tribulation, apart from the Holy Spirit? 
No, uh, nobody comes to Christ uh, without the Holy Spirit drawing them. But uh, the restrainer, and Eli, I just want to uh, commend you for such a, an insightful question, my friend. That's really good. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, it talks about the fact that the one who restrains will, will be withdrawn. And, and really, the restrainer, it means the one who holds back. Now, um, this is part of at least a little bit of a inference that maybe the church, which is also a restraining influence, is removed. In a way, the Second Thessalonians 2.6 might hint towards a pre-tribulational rapture. Now, anybody who ever gets saved is drawn by the Holy Spirit and is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you know. So everybody who ever does come into a relationship with the Lord has the Holy Spirit. Now, during the tribulation, there'll be 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams that come to Christ and preach the gospel, and many get martyred. They will, of course, have the Holy Spirit. But, Bert, um, I, I don't know that we can say the work of the Holy Spirit is completely 100% removed, but to a very, very large degree it is. I mean, the, the world seems pretty rough right now, but we don't know all the things the Holy Spirit does restrain. And even if the Holy Spirit's restraint was removed five more percent or 30 more percent, we don't know. It would be a rough world, wouldn't it, Bert? It would be. And, and Eli, I agree fully with Alex. I I was taught that the Holy Spirit was removed early on in my Christian life, and I started reading the Scriptures, and I found out apart from the Holy Spirit of God drawing an individual to salvation through the power, His power, and also conviction of the Holy Spirit, no one could be saved. And I started reading in the tribulation time, there's going to be a great multitude that is saved besides 144,000 witnesses. And so uh, the ministry of, of conviction for salvation and indwelling in the individual in the, of the Holy Spirit during the tribulation is at work. Alex, I think you're right. On the rest, I'm not so sure, you know, but those mm-hmm. two w- would have to be present in order for salvation to take place. Eli, sure. thank you, and keep listening. We appreciate you so yes. much. We really do. Uh, let's go to Deb in Mississippi. Deb, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I I mourn along with you for the loss of Dan Celia. Amen, Deb. Hey, is, listen. My question is. Yeah, that, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, what a legacy he has left us. Though. Amen. Uh, I heard a pastor, and I'm, I think it was on the radio, that um, God promised Abraham borders of Israel, then it, they extend all the way like to the Mediterranean and up to Syria. So it was a much larger area than Israel is now. So my question is, does that have to be enlarged for Israel to be complete prior to Christ's return? Oh, wow, Deb. Thank you. You are exactly right. When you start looking at the boundaries that God gave Israel to occupy that land and what it is now, you know there's quite a bit of difference. Uh, In 1948, 
they came and they became recognized as a nation. Let me say this, Alex. There's already a nation in God's eyes, understand? But in 48, it was recognized. And we owe a lot to Harry S. Truman, our president during that time. Uh, He was raised in a home where it was taught about Israel and and about how special they were in God's eyes. I was reading that article, and I said, man, amen. What a time for a president to be president at that time. But Alex... I, I would not think it would have to be the exact boundaries. What about you? Right. Hey, by the way, this would be good. Um, it, it'll take till the first break to really adequately talk about this. But, uh, folks, I want to tell you the modern state of Israel exists because of two people that were devout Christians and one that was uh, nominal but I think saved at, at the same. One was a, a um, Plymouth Brethren man from England named Lord Balfour. The other was Winston Churchill, uh, and the other was Harry Truman. And uh, if you ever get a chance, you ought to Google, there's a documentary on Chaim, C-H-A-I-M, Chaim Weitzman, it's really pronounced Weitzman. Chaim Weitzman was a chemist in World War One, along with, um, uh, um, oh, Bert, what's the name of the airport over there? Um, Ben-Gurion, Ben-Gurion Airport, and um, it it really is amazing. It is a miracle how the modern state of Israel came into being. But listen, Joshua 1-4, God promised that the boundaries of Israel would include, quote, from the desert of Lebanon to the great river Euphrates to the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea. Now, here's the thing. Israel, even though during Joshua's time uh, there was much of it occupied, They will not fully occupy all of that, I believe, until the millennium. I agree with you. And so be ready. We don't know when the time is coming, but we can be ready when he bursts through those eastern skies. Hey, we'll be back with more of Fireway Friday right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Catherine Tai, United States Trade Representative. Her agency is responsible for developing and promoting American trade policy. She is part of the President's Executive Office. Leviticus 25.14 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask you to guide Catherine Tai in her role as United States Trade Representative. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says if we want to see our prayers answered, simply believing that God is God may not be enough. He'll explain why today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The Queen of England has a lofty position with absolutely no power. She has no power. She can't make any decisions. She can't make any laws. She's ceremonial. The prime minister tells her what we're going to do because she's got position with no power. A lot of Christians give God position, but no power. 
Oh, they'll worship him. They'll wave their hand in the air like they just don't care. They'll jump a pew. They'll shout hallelujah. But there's no power. You don't see God doing anything in their lives. You don't see God changing anything, turning anything, because they hold him in a high position while removing the clout from him. See, the only way you get to see the power if he knows you're subjected to the kingdom. How much power does God have? The Bible declares that he created the universe ex nihilo. Ex nihilo means without raw material. He simply spoke it into existence. You know anybody who can do that? What God has done demonstrates his power. Why don't we see more of his power? Because we're not submitted to his kingdom. His kingdom is tied to his power. So if you're not submitted to his kingdom, you don't have access to his power, you won't see him working in your life even though you hold him in high position. Learn more about how God's will can be done on earth and in you. Check out Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so glad you're listening. The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'd love to have your Bible question on today's edition of Exploring the Word. We sure would. And there are lines open, so if you can call real quickly, you'll probably get through. But while we're waiting for more, let's go to Lee in Arkansas. Welcome, Lee. Thank you. Um, I have a question that's bothered me, and I'll ask, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm in my 70s, and uh, when I was 16, I accepted Christ. I was baptized, but I think as through the years, it was more of my mother, her pounding her children, like nudging them in church to go forward, and uh, that's bothered me through the years. And it's like I feel like I want to be baptized again. I don't, I know in my mind is that I, or I feel like I had. And uh, I've lived that way, but I, something, I just don't feel right. I want to be baptized and I don't know what to do, but I'm going to hang up Mm -hmm. and I'm going to listen to you and your answer. Well, hey, don't hang up. Don't hang up for a second. Hey, this is Alex here, and I want to say what a privilege it is to speak with you. You know, it sounds like to me that you want to make sure of your salvation. You want to know that you know you. You're right with the Lord. Is that right? Well, I think that I am. I mean, I'm alone. I don't, my two are in heaven now, and uh mm-hmm. You know, I listen to you all the time. I've spoken to you once about you remind me of uh, of of um, uh, the rubber meets the road. I can't even think now. I'm so nervous. Oh uh, well, you're doing you're Vernon doing so McGee. wonderfully. And Vernon um, McGee, yes. 
Oh yeah, I've, yeah. I, I oh. yeah I remember you, Lee. Hey, when you told yeah. us I, that, yeah. that I reminded you of Jay Vernon McGee. He was a Texan. I'm a Mississippian. One thing we, two things we had in common, or three, we had a Southern draw. We love the Word of God and we love Jesus. But Lee, uh, listen to that. Alex. Go over what side. We want everybody to listen to this. Alex is going to Lee. You stay there. He's going to share with you what it knows to be saved. And sometimes nudging is not against what God wants, but you have to know it in your heart. But go ahead, Alex. Yeah, and and Lee, you know, uh, being baptized, that's a wonderful thing. You know, it's kind of like wearing a wedding ring. You know, putting on a wedding ring isn't what gets you married, but wearing a wedding ring shows that you, you are married. And so, you know, I, I hope you've got a, a church that you're a part of, and you could go and talk to the pastor and say, you know, I just want to publicly reaffirm my commitment to Christ, and, and that would be a, a fine thing. But I want to do something not only for you, friend, but for everybody listening, um, a lot of people, they, they want to just make sure that they are right with the Lord. I had a student this morning, I was at a school, and it was a young man, and he had accepted Christ, but he said, you know, I want to know, how do I know that I know? And the Bible tells us, it's so wonderful, it says that if we put our faith in Jesus, but but here's what it means, that we're acknowledging that, that we're a sinner, we say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I, I do believe Jesus is the Son of God, and when he went to the cross, he did that for me, and Lord, I'm accepting what you did, and there, there's a word that is the word repentance. Now, to repent means to turn, and you're saying, Lord, the best way I know how, I, I want to turn from sin and put my trust in you. And Lee, so I, I want you to know, and there's nothing wrong at all, uh, your, your godly mother was nudging you, and that's wonderful, and I, I suspect that you were absolutely sincere, but would you like to pray and just make sure, and maybe some people listening would pray along with us, could you and I pray just now, and let's make sure, sure. of this thing, is that okay, Lee? Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, so, if this expresses where your heart is at, I want you to just repeat after me, and many people everywhere would pray with us. Let, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we pray that, Lee. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. But I do believe Jesus is the Son of God. But I do believe Jesus is the Son of God. And he died on the cross for me. And he died on the cross for me. I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. I accept what Jesus did for me. I accept what Jesus did for me. Please save me. Please save me. Wash my sins away. And help me to follow you. And help me to follow you. From this day forward. From this day forward. Now, Lee, I want you to pray this and everybody along to say, Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. And for saving me just now. And for saving me just now. Amen. Amen. Now, Lee, I, I want to tell you something. That, then, Bert, I'm going to throw it to you. 
Do you know what? The Bible promises that when we turn to the Lord and we, we, we just, like a child, we, we put our faith in Christ, that he does forgive us and the Spirit of God lives within us and our name is written in his book. Now, emotion, sometimes we feel lonely, we feel afraid, and, and that's completely understandable. But do you know what the Word of God promises, the Bible promises that when we have put our faith in Christ, as, as Lee has done, that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. Isn't it wonderful, sister? Because you're my sister in Christ. We're, we're related. But Hebrews 13 promises the Lord Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Bert, isn't it good? Now, sister, I want to get some contact info. We're going to send you a free little book. Just We just want to tell you we love you. We're praying for you. Maybe some others that just prayed right now. Uh, Bert, we have a, a, a place they can call, but isn't this a glorious day when people are opening their heart to Christ? It is, and Lee, we praise the Lord. I know Sherry will get that information, but we want to know others. If you prayed along with Alex and Lee and you received Christ as your Savior, we'd love to hear from you. Word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net, and just say, on April the 1st, 2022, Christ came into my life. And and I want to just tell you, uh, I've learned this a long time ago, pastoring. When people are wondering in question, was I really saved? Uh, my mom nudged me as as Lee was talking about. I've I tried to work and work. I came to the conclusion: best thing you can do is go ahead and ask Jesus into your life. If it had happened earlier, He'll affirm it. If not, you're saved now. And so I praise the Lord for that, Lee. And we are just thanking God, Father. I thank you. I know she thanked you, but we thank you all the brothers and sisters in the United States for mm-hmm. Lee and her calling today and for her nailing this down that Christ is Lord of her life and that she is saved. What a joy. I pray for that for others, that they would nail it down, confirm it, and live yes. in the glorious presence of the Lord. First John talks about that these things I've written that you may know that you have eternal life so, Father, I pray that that would be the case with those who are listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and praise the Lord. Uh, I'm telling you, Alex, let's go to another caller, and it's from God Mississippi, so and it's Trey. Trey, welcome. Hey, Bert and Alex. Um, this might be one of those questions where we don't we don't know the answer until we get to heaven, but all the amazing things that that Jesus did while he was alive on earth. And I always just kind of wondered, why did the Roman soldier say, surely this is the son of God after Jesus took his last breath? Well, Mm. uh, let me just give you a short version. Alex, you expanded, if you would. Uh, You know, it's not what all Jesus did while he wasn't on the cross. It was what he did and what happened while he was on the cross as well. The uh, centurion, we do not know his connection with Jesus before the cross. But at the cross, because of the things happening, the darkness on the face of the earth, the earthquakes, and I'm sure he may not have seen any of those people that were brought up out of the grave and walked around, but I guarantee you people were talking about it. It probably got back to him before it was uh, too late. 
Alex, it was a lot of the things that accompanied and the words he would say, Father, forgive them, uh, telling the, 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 the thief on the cross, on one of the crosses, you will be with me in paradise. Uh, the, I would say that centurion had a lot of evidence to say that and believe that even there. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is a great question. And, you know, Roman centurions, we don't know everything about them, but uh, it's it's a fair assessment that they, they were sharp. I mean, they were in peak physical condition. They probably, the Roman soldiers were probably in peak mental condition, very observant. In Luke 23, 41, we read about one of the thieves on the cross. Um, one, one thief was mocking Jesus and said, uh, uh, you know, he saved others, let him save himself. So the other thief says, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? Said, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Now, it's a certainty. The Roman centurions heard this. One of the thieves says, this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, you go to Matthew 20, 27, 54. You know, there's the earthquake. The rocks were, were crumbling. The veil in the temple is torn. Uh, the sky became dark for three hours. Uh, and here's the thing in Matthew 27, 54. says, When the centurion and those with him saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified, and they claimed, Truly, this was the Son of God. So why did that centurion believe? Because he saw what was going on. And here's a righteous man. Bert, I've got to believe those centurions probably thought, why are we crucifying this man? He hasn't done anything. Uh, why are we being mandated to execute the most moral, loving, forgiving? And so all the, the sky becomes dark. It's almost as if creation itself was grieving over what was being done to the precious Son of God. And that centurion, now you think about this, Bert, I'm going to throw it to you. Folks, one minute that Roman soldier was part of the cause of the crucifixion. One second later, he's one of the beneficiaries of the crucifixion. Praise the Lord. Matthew 27 is one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. Those, Amen. Those of you that are preachers, Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers, get a pen out or a piece of paper and listen to this. Uh, and what it is, there's the responses to Jesus. And you have four responses in Matthew 27. Judas's carrot, his betrayer, wanted to use Jesus. He wasn't interested in his kingdom. He was interested the the spiritual kingdom. He was interested in the money and the power they he he wanted to use them and and the soldiers those roman soldiers that would scourge him they would abuse him they would abuse him that's in verse 26 and then the other thief on the cross the one that did not re receive christ he would refuse him he heard the same things that the other thief heard but he refused to respond but praise the lord here in verse 54 the centurion would choose him. He would say yes to the Lord. This is the Son of God. I want to tell you, that outline will preach and teach, Alex. I just wanted to throw that in. And uh, mm. so, Trey, thank you for that great, great question. Let's go to Texas and talk to Helen. Welcome, Helen. Well, thank you for taking my call, and I'm so thankful you're my Christian brothers. Amen. We're Amen. glad you're our sister, girl. 
<laughs> Amen. Well, my question is about Lazarus and the rich man. And uh, we know that he was carried to Abraham's bosom. But uh, some friends and I were talking, and I never really thought about it. I just always compared that to heaven. And they, we, I don't know for sure now, is that a parable or an allegory? Okay. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it is a, a, a true story. It is one that he, he has. Uh, Alex, uh, names you, can have different names. You know, places can have yeah. different names. And uh, Abraham's bosom, paradise, you know, uh, you know, those, those, I seem like they're talking about the same thing that Jesus would go to and the Old Testament saints went to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And by the way, this is in Luke chapter 16, uh, 19 and following. Um, thanks for calling. I, I believe this is literal truth, uh, because in Jesus's parables, he doesn't use proper names. And in this uh, account, I don't think it's an allegory or a parable. I think it's an actual, real account. Now, Abraham's bosom, there's two things to say. Uh, literally, the wording means to Abraham's side. So um, if you're beside Abraham in the afterlife, you're in the presence of God, uh, i.e. heaven. You know. But uh, apparently, Bert... And this is the best way people can try to understand it, is that before Christ's death and resurrection, uh, in the realm of the dead, there were kind of uh, two areas. There was the punishment for those that were the unbelievers, the wicked, but there was paradise for those that were believers. Now, now what did they believe? They believed in God and his promise of a coming Messiah. Now, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he, uh, the Bible says that he led captivity captive. In other words, he took the Old Testament saints from paradise to heaven proper. To be with him forever and ever. And they're going to come one day and in the sky. And those of us that remain, we're going to be caught up with them in the air. What a day that will be. We'll have more of Fire Away Friday right after the break. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Even in loving Christian marriages, there can be a battle for control. On the next Focus on the Family, you'll learn how manipulation, anxiety, and fear can lead to unhealthy forms of control between a husband and wife. You'll also hear the good news that God can transform willing hearts. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. 
And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Rejoice with those who rejoice. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Michael, a five-year-old boy, showed up at the courthouse in Grand Rapids, Michigan for an adoption hearing with his foster parents, and he had a crowd of unusual supporters. Michael's entire kindergarten class sat in the audience behind him, waving big red hearts mounted on wooden sticks to show their support. The kindergartners offered the most touching answers, standing up and telling the court, I love Michael, or Michael's my best friend. Michael's new father and mother had been married nearly 10 years, and he'd been living with them as a foster child for more than a year. Adoption truly is at the heart of the gospel. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. I want to tell you, all glory and honor is His. And I want to tell you, there is a celebration going on in heaven right now. I know Dan Celia arrived there Wednesday afternoon. But today, we got at least two people ready to go. We know uh, when Lee called in and she prayed and followed Acts. But then we've got this email from Becky. And Becky said she prayed along with you, Alex. And Becky is a part of God's family. Hallelujah, brother. Amen. Praise God. We give God the glory. Becky, if you're listening, praise the Lord. And welcome to, your, to the family. We thank you. Let's stay online, and let's go to Marcel in Mississippi. Welcome. Hey, gentlemen. Look, uh, I sure miss Dan in a selfish way. But in a glorious in a glorious way, I'm glad he's with the Father. Amen. He's hey, we're winners either way. Uh, we, are, we are winners if he stays with us, and he's a winner if he goes. So praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got a simple question. I was in a, a group Bible study, a little small Bible study we had at church. And the question arose, does God love the devil? Now, I know God loves all humans, sinners or, you know, uh, Christians, either way. But uh, I, I think I know the answer. It's a simple question, but in a way it's sort of profound. But I just wanted to get y'all's opinion on it. And I'll hang up, and I thank y'all for what y'all do. Thank you, Marcel. Uh, honestly, this is not the first time that question has been asked of us lately. And, Alex, we talked about the devil, and uh, I, let me just set this up, and I'll pass it on to you. Satan left his first estate, taking a third of the angelic uh, force with him, and since then he has been anti-everything against God. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. 
I do not believe there's a love lost between God and the devil. Go ahead, brother. No, I, I don't think so either. Now, clearly, you know, God created all of reality, and God's creation is good, and it was good that God created. Now, sadly, angels, uh, well, some angels, used their free will to try to rebel. They were cast out of heaven. Lucifer became Satan. The one-third of the angels that tried to join Lucifer in an overthrow of heaven, they were cast out. They're demons. Um, no, uh, God doesn't love them, and neither should we. And, and here's the thing. For centuries, I mean, you, you've got to understand, Satan tried to kill God. And I, talk about this. I mean, think about the, the cruelest, the most cruel, mean, wicked thing ever. It'd be one thing to steal somebody's stuff. That's mean. That's wrong. But look, Satan has led millions to eternity in hell. I mean, I mean, talk about the most unimaginable level of malice to know that the soul is everlasting and to lure people, whether it's for whatever way, um, drugs, alcohol, violence, uh, self-righteousness, occult, you know, in countless ways, millions have been led to an eternal hell without God. That That's the most wicked thing you could imagine. And so Satan's day is coming. The Bible says that Satan is put to an open shame that the authorities by Jesus, the spiritual principalities, have been defeated. Now, one day Satan and all of his demons are going to wind up at the very bottom of the lake of fire to be punished forever. But you know what? Um, God can feel. Uh, we can grieve the Spirit of God. We can please God. But you know what? The Bible says that God hates wickedness. And I think that would include his righteous hatred of Satan. Let me read a scripture. And my wife and I were talking about this. My wife, Jan, and I were talking about this earlier uh, this week. Listen to this. We, we get kind of wanting God to be a mush God that he's loving, but he is a righteous God. He is a just God. He is a, a he is loving. Nobody could ever love you like Jesus. I can say that and know that true. But listen to this. These six things, this is in Proverbs 6, 16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. Now you could say, oh, he hates that being done. But the last phrase in verse 19, and the one who sows discord among brethren. The one, Alex, uh, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes we, we God loves you. I, I cannot say that enough. I can't even begin to comprehend God's love. But at the same time, God's justice caused this hatred, and you said it right, righteous indignation toward that. And, yes, I, I think it is the devil that is hated. I, I thank you. Uh, I, Marcel, thank you for that good question. Let's go to Texas and talk to John. Welcome. Hello, I want to say thank you for taking my call, and I really appreciate the hard work you do on the radio there. I had two simple points I wanted to make, one being uh, talking about salvation from Romans 10, 9 and 10. I wanted to read it. says, if 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Sister saying to reinforce Jesus Christ. Um, the second point I wanted to make was just kind of like the hierarchy of God and man. You know, the lesser can never control the greater. You know, God, in my opinion, you know, created man, but man cannot tell God what to do. Just like man created the government, and the government cannot tell man what to do. So in that just like Christ came down for our salvation, man is salvation for our government. That's where I think people need to stand up in their righteousness and get our government straight. Uh, John, Amen. I, I agree. I just, I just want to say a word. Alex is the one that usually talks about our founding fathers more than I do as well. But Alex is so knowledgeable and so articulate in that area. But the founding fathers, when they penned the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson and those that helped him, amen. But the Constitution, with it starting off, we the people, and then Abraham Lincoln Gettysburg Address, understanding that this is government by the people, Alex, for the people. Uh, I mean, it is, it is every bit of that, and God has given that to us. And, yes, it's a great gift. And uh, there was a lot of debate, even at the founding. Is it right for man to overthrow the government, like the British government, you know, uh, when you're to be under the authority of them? There is a time, John, yes, when we rise up. We don't look for it. We don't go around looking under every rock. Oh, here's the reason. But there are times, as, as it says in the book of Acts, we got to obey God rather than man. And so God has set it up that way. Alex, John's right on the key, but uh, so it's time for us to righteously vote, righteously proclaim while we can. But the most important thing is the gospel being free to be preached. I just want to tell you that. Go ahead, Alex. Well, sir, thanks for listening to the program. You know, uh, in George Washington's farewell address, he served two terms as our first president. But he said this. He said, quote, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable. You know, it's amazing. Nowadays, a lot of, lot of the progressives, they, they believe that religion is irrelevant and morality uh, is, is forgotten. And now, listen to this. George Washington said, quote, in vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert religion and morality, these great supports of human happiness. And what's amazing, Washington said, um, to the great name of patriot, every one of us should aspire to the even greater title of Christian. And George Washington said, Congress will do everything in its power to help you in this regard. Isn't that amazing? It is. I mean, our first president thought uh, promoting religion, and by that he meant Christianity, and promoting morality, and by that they meant the Judeo-Christian moral code. Uh, and Washington reminded us that Congress would help us in this regard. Well, I wish Congress could remember that. Yep. But 
If we don't have morals and, yes, God's truth, uh, we're going to have chaos. Yeah. Hey, John, thank you. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Alabama and talk to Brian. Brian, welcome. Brian, are you there? Okay, Brian, maybe I've stepped away. We're going to go all the way from Alabama to Oregon, all the way across the country. Chris, welcome. Hey, brothers. How you doing? Doing well. What part of Oregon are you from? Uh, Baker City. Okay. that's uh, Is that west? It's uh, eastern Oregon. Eastern Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. Welcome. Thank you. My question has kind of, kind of got two parts to it, and so I'll just kind of read it to you real fast. So um, the Apostle Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 7 that he wasn't giving uh, commands of the Lord regarding a couple of matters dealing with marriage, single life, things like that, but he was just giving his permission or concession or judgment regarding those matters. And I guess in other passages of the New Testament, it talks about, you know, dealing with foot washing, giving holy kisses, uh, women uh, having their heads covered in the church. I've, I've been told those were considered cultural matters specific to the first century believers. So I guess my question is, uh, how do we as, as believers today, especially new believers, uh, determine which parts of the New Testament we should follow strictly and which ones we may choose to maybe not follow due to being them being more cultural or uh, non-commanded of the Lord? Chris, fantastic question. And I, I honestly believe, we can say this, Bert and Alex, we have to struggle with that. We have to come to that place. In my heart and my mind, I have, Alex, uh, you know, those things— Paul would write in that Corinthian passage, and I think you got to go by this, Chris, and I'll mm-hmm. throw it to you, Alex, when it says, all these things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Not all of them are expedition. He- helps me along the way. And and he says, do it all that the, that the salvation, that the message of Christ would be seen. And I think you look at everything through those lens. Does that... Uh, in that culture or our culture, does it does it affect me? I remember our first trip on to an international. We went to Honduras, and it was a medical preaching ministry. They told the ladies, "Be careful how much makeup you use, and do not wear pants. Wear dresses." And it was a cultural issue that we did not want to offend them, and we did not want to get them in the way of, of following Christ. So the idea more than anything else, Chris, is Jesus Christ, the gospel. Yes, all things are lawful. I'm at set at liberty, but I'll do nothing that would hinder my brother to, to come to Christ. Alex, take it away. Well, you know, it's interesting, um, and this is a great question. Uh, the First Corinthians 7, 5, where, you know, Paul is taught, he's basically talking about this, that a husband and wife, you know, separate for a time uh, to fast and pray, then come together again. Um, he says, now the, the King James renders it, I say this by permission, not by command. And it's interesting, the Greek word there that is translated permission is the word suggestion. So it's almost like, Bert, like a pastoral counselor. Now we know marriage is for life, right? A, a husband and wife. But he says, you know, I'm saying this, that Husband has control over the wife's body, wife control. Um, He says it is good for a woman not to touch a man, but so that we don't burn with passion, let every 
you know, one have their own spouse. And it, 1 Corinthians 7, 3, fulfill the obligation. 1 Corinthians 7, 4, uh, spouses have authority over the other's body. So it's talking about uh, marital intimacy. In verse 5, it says, don't deprive one another, but only by mutual agreement sometimes abstain from marital intimacy or even, and I want to say this, I'm not talking about separation right now, but I'm talking about space. You know, husbands and wives, they're committed, they're chaste, committed to each other, but space. But here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 6. I say this by way of concession or suggestion, not by way of command. In other words, he says, I'm making a suggestion. Um, It's not like, because some people have said, well, maybe Paul, here's a little bit of the New Testament that's not really of divine authority. God permitted Paul to put his own opinion in there. No, I do think every word of the New Testament is holy writ. It's from God. But Paul is almost being like a pastoral counselor here. Bert. He He's is, saying, yeah, he is. But I, I would say for God to decide to leave that in, uh, it becomes authoritative. Now, again, it's still the cultural issue is still involved. Uh, you know, the cutting of the hair, the woman, you know, in that right. day, if you remember, those people, those women who cut their hairs in Corinth and Ephesus, uh, only way I know they were temple, basically temple prostitutes. The other women would leave their hair long, and he said, a lot of this, Chris, and I'm going to go back. It's the gospel. The other thing, Alex, is your identity. You want, you want to identify with Christ. So that means there's certain shirts I'm not going to put on because of what it says, you know? And so your yeah, identity right. is in Christ, and, and you need to let the world know who your identity is in what you say and what you do, your actions, don't you? You really do. You really do. Well, goodness, I'm hearing that music, which means we're almost out of time, but I want to praise God for the people who are making decisions for Christ. I want to praise God for the life and legacy of Dan Celia. And we praise God for each one of you who listen so regularly to Exploring the Word. Amen. We say thank you. Uh, And we had another one, Beth, called. She prayed with you as well. Alex, heaven is, is celebrating right now, and we're celebrating as well. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let him be Lord of your life. If you need help, you can call 888 need him They'll help you. Thank you for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.